here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Michael Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. He's going to come back on Monday. Have no fear. Levin is coming back, taking some well-deserved time off until Monday. And I'm here tonight with you to talk about what happened to Kavanaugh today. He had his first real uh, session as a judge. As you know, my wife's an appellate judge, so I know exactly the kinds of things that Brett Kavanaugh goes through about reading the transcripts, reading the briefs, getting ready. And did you see some of the news coverage of the clowns, the feckless fools, and the derelicts who continue to protest when the judges enter the Supreme Court complex today because they will not give up? They're incentivized by people like Hillary Clinton, who gave a stupid interview to Christiane Amanpour, in which she said Democrats cannot be civil with Republicans anymore. Quote, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for and what you care about. Quote, unquote, said Hillary. Doesn't the same thing apply to Republicans? Assuming Republicans want to oppose the Democratic Party and what they care about. Why would Republicans ever work with Democrats? The answer, of course, is they cannot. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, says Hillary in a tweet. That, to me, means it's time to declare civil, uncivil war with the Democrats, which is what the Trumpster did and did so well. And let's put some of this in context. About two or three days ago, Republican Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado on Sunday, a couple days ago, said his wife received, his wife received a graphic text message with a video depicting a beheading after Gardner voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court on Saturday. Thousands of demonstrators bought and paid for by uh, George Soros stormed the halls of Congress, of course, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And that protest continued today on Tuesday. Unbelievable. Also last week, Democratic intern Jackson Costco was uh, charged with burglary, theft of personal information, all kinds of crimes, felonies, when he uh, went online and released private information about three senators sitting on the Judiciary Committee, that being Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, and Orrin Hatch of Utah, including home addresses and their personal cell phone numbers. And, of course, Jackson Costco was a so-called unpaid intern working for Sheila Jackson Lee, a real clown from Texas. And the truth came out, he was unpaid, not by Jackson Lee, but by a George Soros-funded group. So somehow, these liberal left-wing hit groups have hired so-called interns to work for the Congress and the Senate, and he has worked for senators before, to dig up dirt on Republicans, dirt being their home addresses, and ship that out to many others. Then, of course, you had uh, two female activists bought and paid for by George Soros, cornering Senator Jeff Flake in an elevator, screaming at him. You had Ted Cruz and his wife, Heidi, hounded out of a restaurant by protesters, peppering the senators with questions about Kavanaugh. Then early on in June, you had Sarah Sanders and Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen getting the same treatment out of restaurants. And so what's happening is the titular head of the Democrat Party, Hillary Clinton, is telling her devotees to confront Republicans wherever you can find them, make their lives uncomfortable. How's that possible? How's that fair? Of course it is not. And so we're left with a situation where the American people have got to choose four weeks from tonight. Four weeks from today will be Election Day. So in 28 days, we have to decide whether Maxine Waters and Hillary Clinton 
and the war, war hero Richard Blumenthal and, uh, and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi should be in charge of the Congress, where this behavior will become even more mainstream, which to me is impossible. Winners and losers. I was talking to Richard Cementa and also Richard Valdez earlier, the great producers of the Mark Levin Show, to talk about the winners and losers of what happened with, uh, with of course, today, Kavanaugh on the U.S. Supreme Court. Number one, the biggest winner, I think, is due process and fairness. The principle, an old-fashioned principle, that the mob does not rule and that the presumption of innocence applies and that substantive and procedural due process must apply. The second big winner is my president, Donald John Trump, notching one more victory. In his first, what, uh, 22 months in office, the Trumpsters scored 100 and Democrats have scored zero. The economy is percolating like crazy. The Mexico-Canadian trade battle has been won by Trump, including South Korea. Next to fall will be the godless heathens in Beijing and communist red China that takes out about $500 billion a year. So in the last 10 years, they've taken out something like $5 trillion to build their country. And at the end of the day, they need us a lot more than we need them. So when Trump gets done with the Chinese, it's going to be the same thing that happened with Canada, Mexico and South Korea. And now, according to Rasmussen, it came out today that Trump's approval rating has soared to 51 percent. So whether it's the economy, immigration or federal judges, I could not think of a better president than Donald John Trump. He makes Reagan almost look like a liberal because unlike Reagan and the Bushes, who were pincushions, this guy fights back when Trump is hit. He hits back harder. What he did on uh, Monday night, last night, with the Supreme Court, saying that I hereby find you not guilty, Judge Kavanaugh, you are an innocent man. And he went after the Democrats with the other eight members of the Supreme Court sitting there, and the Republicans, to me, was beautiful. It was wonderful. This guy's got no backup in him. He only has stack-up. He continues to teach all of us about winning. In Trump's world, it's about the fight and your fighting spirit and your ability to be bare-knuckled. And think about this. Kavanaugh was a Yale middle-aged judge who uh, educated in Yale undergraduate and law school, spent about 12 years on the Second Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. He's not the kind of guy to fight like Trump. But when they push Kavanaugh further and further and further, Kavanaugh kind of look o- looked over at Trump and said, that's my model, that's the guy I want to be. They never imagined that a wimpy, middle-aged judge from Yale had it in him to fight back in a no-holds-barred, street-brawler fashion. But Kavanaugh studied Trump. He learned from Trump. So all of his brilliance and eloquence, all of his uh, all of his grade school girls basketball coaching or teaching at Harvard would not help him at all to win this fight. You had people like Chris Wallace of Fox News who said after the testimony of that liar, and she was a liar, Christine Ford. She lied about what happened at a maximum. She was mistaken at a minimum. We might go over that later. But Chris Wallace of uh, Fox News said after she testified that it's over for the Republicans. The Republicans had a bad day. I'm a trial attorney. I see it all the time. A witness testifies, and you, and you buy it hook, line, and sinker. And then the other witness testifies, and you say, you know what? I don't know what to believe now. Kavanaugh, he, he in a sense, hypnotically took on Trump's personality, and he fought no holds barred, bare knuckles, and guess what? Kavanaugh won by Trump rules. He knows that if you want something in your life bad enough, you got to fight for it, just as Trump proved. And uh, he won the Supreme Court. After 
Christine Ford testified about the second front door and about afraid to fly and about the claustrophobia and how it changed her life. And I thought, okay, that's unrefuted evidence. Kavanaugh got up and spoke. And you know what? I thought, I kind of believe Kavanaugh. And then I waited for the next week to transpire, and it did. And the next week clearly demonstrated that Christine Ford was not telling the truth. Well, whether she lied or not, it's a different matter. Because she said there were four witnesses, and every one of her witnesses refuted her story or had no memory of the gathering in question whatsoever. The therapist's notes were critical to this, that she released to the Washington Post, but not to the U.S. Senate Committee. She said four boys tried to rape her when she was in her late teens, and the time was in the mid-1980s. Now she says it was one boy, and it was uh, in at the age of 15, not her late teens, and it was 1982, not the mid-1980s. And she flipped on that because in the mid-1980s, Brett Kavanaugh was not even in Maryland. He was in Connecticut. So everything she said to the therapist was probably accurate because she said it six years ago before politics entered the fracas. So when she said four boys tried to rape her, she, she was in her late teens, what, 18 or 19 years old, in the mid-1980s, what, 1984, 85, 86. That didn't fit the scenario of Brett Kavanaugh. So she flipped and changed what she was saying in order to try to take Kavanaugh down, and it didn't work. And the second front door was put in in 2008 and 2009 because she wanted her psychologist-slash-therapist to have an office and a direct entry into her house, into her room. So the second front door was put in, not because she was scared of only one exit, but because a person, she wanted to rent out some of her house to a small business owner, a psychologist, to have a direct entryway. And, of course, the other thing was she was afraid to get on planes. Her boyfriend of many years testified they took single propeller planes all over Hawaii, that she traveled to Tahiti, traveled to Hawaii, traveled to Central America, traveled to South America, traveled to Israel, and traveled to Europe. How is it? Did she swim all these places? Hell no. She flew everywhere, including on single propeller planes, which are quite claustrophobic if she was. So nothing she said had any relationship to reality. And over the week delay brought about by Jeff Flake, whose last name by adjective describes his character, refuted what she said. And that's why Susan Collins stood up on Saturday about three o'clock and gave that great speech. I never thought I would say this. Susan Collins is a profile in courage, as is Lindsey Graham Mitch McConnell, Brett Kavanaugh, and, of course, the president, Donald John Trump. Those were the big winners. And now today, Brett Kavanaugh, his first day on the U.S. Supreme Court, I'm sure he's going to do great. But do not think for a moment that the fight is now over. It's only just begun, you fool. We got four more weeks to go. I cannot imagine in America with Nancy Pelosi in charge of the House and Chuck Schumer in charge of the Senate and the investigations that would be launched and all the problems that would arise. So tonight, I want to get your perspective. Mark Levin is off until Monday. He'll be back then with some well-deserved time off. The great American Bill Cunningham is here. Also, I want to also let you know that uh, Mark Levin's dad, Jack Levin, has a new book out called Our Police. Our Police, which is perfect for children. You may go on Amazon to order it now. Our Police by Jack Levin, the great father. I think he's in his 90s of Mark Levin. He'll be back with you on Monday. But this show is yours. I want to hear from you tonight. The number to call is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And lastly, before I go to your calls, Stephen Colbert is someone, of course, that I cannot watch. But I am told 
that he has a, a writer named Ariel Dumas, who on Saturday night or Sunday tweeted out, whatever happens, I'm just glad we'd ruined Brett Kavanaugh's life. So this clown, this fool in New York, Ariel Dumas, working for Stephen Colbert on CBS's Late Show, is happy that the life of Brett Kavanaugh is now ruined, that his wife's life is ruined, that his daughter's life is ruined. In reality, guess what, Ariel Dumas? Brett Kavanaugh's life is not ruined. His name is not ruined. His name is Associate Justice Brett Kavanaugh, because he sat today, this morning, on the United States Supreme Court, where he's going to be for the next 30 to 40 years. But that's the mentality that we're fighting with. Plus, I want to take up the cause of what's happening in Portland, Oregon. Did you see the reporting out of what uh, Antifa is doing in Portland, Oregon, harassing individuals at street intersections, taking over blocks of the city? The drug dealers, the druggies, the homeless, the radical left are taking over parts of Portland, Oregon, and then the feckless, foolish mayor is doing nothing to stop it. Let's get your thoughts on Brett Kavanaugh. Who are the winners and losers this morning? Brett Kavanaugh sat on the United States Supreme Court as the ninth justice. Our number, once again, is 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Reporting out of the Wall Street Journal. This was from August of this year from the Wall Street Journal, the Daily Diary of the American Dream. This is out of Portland, Oregon. A mob surrounded ICE offices in southwest Portland June 19th. They barricaded the exits and blocked the driveway. They sent, quote, guards, unquote, to patrol the doors, working for Antifa, trapping federal workers inside. At night, they laid on the street, prostate, stopping traffic at a critical junction near a hospital. Police stayed away under the orders of the idiotic mayor, Ted Wheeler. At this time, I'm denying your request for additional resources, said the mayor. The Portland Police Bureau's deputy chief, Robert Day, wrote to federal officials under direction of the mayor, Ted Wheeler. I'm sorry, Ted Wheeler, who's a real clown. And so the federal workers were locked inside the federal building because Antifa, a few hundred protesters, would not permit ICE or other federal agencies to operate inside a federal building. Hours later, the remaining ICE workers were finally evacuated by a small federal police team. The facility shut down for more than a week. They couldn't function. Complete rampant mob violence in Portland, Oregon, which is similar to what's happening in San Francisco and other cities. But now the protesters in Portland are back on the streets blocking traffic. Have you seen the video? Several dozen, uh, in a particularly disturbing video, protesters take over intersections, stop traffic, berate and harass older white men in cars who refuse to obey their traffic directions. Portland police, under the idiotic leadership of Mayor Ted Wheeler, do nothing. They yell at these older white men, you're a little white supremacist, go back to the south. No KKK here, etc. In one video, protesters smash an older white man's sedan with baseball bats after he makes a turn against their wishes. They've taken over the streets shouting, whose streets? Our streets. After the driver zipped down the street to get away from them, they chased after him. For some reason, he stopped, got out of his car to inspect the damage. He, his car would then administer more damage. He got back in his car quickly ahead of the mob and left. 
This emerging brand of called street anarchy has left money asking Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler to regain control of the city, which he refuses to do. Let's flip the script. What if in some city, maybe in the South, a whole bunch of white supremacists were pulling black people out of their cars and beating the hell out of them or damaging their property, taking over the streets, yelling, whose streets, our streets? What the hell would happen? All hell would break loose. When it happened in Charlottesville, which was a terrible deed committed upon that woman who was killed, the person responsible was subjected to federal hate crime legislation, uh, uh, I'm sorry, indictment, plus arrest. And he should have been. He killed somebody. And that was roundly condemned. This violence is going to lead to shootings. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. Steve Scalise of Louisiana was shot and almost killed by a Democrat, a Bernie Sanders supporter, who wanted to kill Republican congressmen. Chased out of restaurants, into elevators, on streets and in airports, The leftist mobs of Antifa and all their supporters are doing exactly what Hillary Clinton and what the Democratic Party once done. Are they overplaying their hand? Four weeks from today, from tonight, four weeks from tonight, we're going to have a good idea whether this leftist mob is controlling the Congress. I pray not, but I'm not so sure. So let's continue with more. Once again, the line to call is 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. Mark Levin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. Let's continue. When a U.S. Marine calls, I always listen. I love Marines, love what they stand for. My daddy was a Marine. John in Washington, D.C., I give Marines presidents here. Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levin. John, please go ahead. Hey, so, you know, I've been following this thing pretty intently from, from start to where it is now. And uh, absolutely have to agree with your opening monologue, first off. Facts are stubborn things. You know, in, in the words of our, of, our, <laughs> of our president, you know, John Adams, uh, you know, if you just dissect it and look strictly at facts and you go off the values of the country that you yeah. are innocent yeah. until proven guilty, it's absolutely mind-boggling how people can leap to no kidding a conclusion of, of 
this, this guy, he's guilty. It's you know, John, boring. last night I watched some of the leftist media today talk about how, how unfair it was that the president declared uh, innocent uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Isn't that what he is? Aren't you innocent till proven guilty? And this wasn't a case. Uh, this wasn't close. This wasn't 51-49. To give you some small example, Rachel Mitchell, who I think did a lousy job as the prosecutrix before the U.S. Senate, it kind of walked uh, Christina Ford down the primrose path when she oddly questioned her about coaching a friend who was taking a federal lie detector test. And I, I'm watching Rachel Mitchell. I said, she must know something. And what she knew was that the ex-boyfriend of Christina Ford, and by the way, Christina Ford cheated on the ex-boyfriend and stole his credit cards, but I redress. Uh, what, 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 the reason Rachel Mitchell said those questions about coaching a, a friend for taking a lie detector test uh, the under oath to a sworn affidavit, the boyfriend of Christina Ford of the 1990s said that she coached a friend of hers, a female friend, preparing to take a U.S. government administered polygraph exam. And so practically everything that Christine Ford said was either a lie or a falsehood, whether it's the front door, the fear of flying, not taking airplanes, whether it was coaching someone on a lie detector test. She did coach somebody on a lie detector test. So Christina Ford lied about the little things, then lied about the big things. And assuming she lied, John, what does that mean for Brett Kavanaugh's sanity and for his status? Doesn't that mean he's innocent till proven guilty? Uh, well, without a doubt. I mean, that, that, that is the only conclusion one could come to. I feel absolutely sad for the, for the family. And I feel a lot of fear that, no kidding, that that kind of a tactic is actually allowable. That That's... That's terrifying because you have now take, – take somebody from a lesser degree or a lesser uh, income in life or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, sometimes there's just no coming back from something like that. There could be no coming back, whether, whether – it, it, you know, it, just the mere fact that they could be absolutely false and something like that, you know, gets thrown at, at, at someone, and that's it. Life is over. Well, John, where does Brett Kavanaugh go to get back his reputation? You're in the Marine Corps. If some other fellow Marine, a woman, accused you of rape and there was no evidence it took place, she didn't know where it happened, didn't know when it happened, didn't know how it happened, and the four witnesses she supplied to be witnesses turned out to be non-witnesses because they 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 didn't see what she said they saw. And you're still found guilty of that and bounced out of the Marine Corps. Where would you go to get back your reputation? No, right? Done. Uh, <laughs> that would that would be a hell of a road. It wouldn't come back. You know? No. Uh, but then again, I, it wouldn't get there. The the pro- due process would prevent it from such. And, and that's the thing. And, and you know, John, I. I'm a criminal defense attorney. I've been in the attorney general's office. When someone comes in and says I was sexually assaulted, unlike many other crimes, I tend to believe them. If you come in to me and say, you know what, uh, uh, someone stole my Chevrolet, I'm not going to question you to say, well, did someone steal a Ford? No, it was a Chevrolet. If, so, if, if you go in and say my left foot's hurting, I'm not going to say, well, don't you mean your right elbow? No, but when it comes to sexual assault, 10 to 20% of the time, there are false allegations of sexual assault that later on proves to be absolutely alive. For example, the Innocence Project has listed hundreds and hundreds of men who have been exonerated years later who were wrongfully convicted of sexual assault. 
Uh, Gregory Counts and Van Dyke Perry, two black guys, spent 37 years in jail on false rape charges. There was the Hofstra University case where four college men at Hofstra were charged with raping an 18-year-old fellow student. It came out a year later that she made it all up and it was a lie. There's thousands of examples how a woman or a man falsely accuses someone of a sexual assault for all kinds of reasons. And all I'm saying is, give Brett Kavanaugh due process, the right to cross-examination, the right to confront his accusers, the right to be in the same room and look her in the eye, which the Senate denied. And now that the week took you know, Jeff Flake... Oddly enough, it was a good thing it took an extra week because conservative media tore apart the story of Christina Ford and proved that she was either a prevaricator or a liar or both, and they could prove that Brett Kavanaugh was in fact innocent and not even present. And and so when this has happened, is that going to stop the radical left now from perpetrating lies against Brett Kavanaugh? The answer is not just no. The answer is hell no. They're going to continue. Oh, this has been a tactic all along, though. I mean, this this is what they do, and and that and that's the part that just is absolutely mind-boggling to me. You know, it's like it just it just it just doesn't seem like there's just any ethics left anymore. No, you know, where is where is the moral gauge? At what point do you stand up with some kind of ethical value and go, "This is wrong," regardless of my uh, political opposition? Well, well, you know, what's going on here is that it's a constant fight. It kind of began with Bork. Then it continued to Clarence Thomas, a little bit of Alito. His wife cried, had to leave the room with with Alito. Democrats do this to Republicans. But even though Elena Kagan made several misstatements, nobody talked about perjury. Nobody talked about impeachment. Lindsey Graham voted for Sotomayor. He voted for Kagan. Democrats do this to Republicans, but Republicans have too much character to do it to, to Democrats. When there's an odd rightist like at Charlottesville that does something wrong and those clowns those fools, if you're a white guy marching around a southern city with tiki torches yelling about Jews, then you're a clown and you're a fool. We can't have that in this country. And it happens on occasion. But the constant drumbeat from the left, whether it's Portland or San Francisco or Antifa, or whether it's the Democrats in Congress, or whether it's those in restaurants and elevators that chase down the Republicans, it's happening 10 times more often with Democrats than with Republicans. But I guarantee you, John, the media will not cover cover it that way. The media covered Charlottesville, and they should have covered Charlottesville. Why aren't they covering what Antifa's doing in Portland, Oregon? That's what I want. Why don't they cover that? Oh, oh, well, because it doesn't fit their narrative. How about Stephen Scalise gunned down? How about a Democrat hunting and gunning down a Republican wanting to kill dozens? It was a one-day story. And they stopped the Stephen Scalise story after one day. If a uh, someone wearing a mega hat had done that to a Democrat, they would follow that Democrat for months to talk about the daily struggles that Democrat had at the violence committed by a Republican. But when Stephen Scalise was shot down like a dog at a baseball practice, it was a one or two day story because it didn't fit the narrative. The media dropped it like a hot potato. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 it, it hails that I remember my, my high school journalism teacher, God rest his soul, you know, it, the biggest thing he could push down to everybody, he had an award-winning high school newspaper uh, and, and taught for 30 years, was how to be non-biased. I'm just, uh, that there sticks in my head like, like, like nice. blue does the paper, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that, that concept in, in, in most journalistic circles, most, not all, but most, 
is is lost. It's yeah. lost. It's no kidding. What political uh, slant do I have, and what do I support? That's it. I mean, it, it's like, yeah. Not saying that it has never ever existed in American uh, journalism, obviously, but I mean, it's just really uh, you know, you know, you know, John. Lastly, I'll say this: Leland Kaiser was the girlfriend of Christina Ford, who who gave a sworn statement that I don't recall the event. Christina never talked about it in high school. We've been friends for like 37 years. She's never mentioned it to me. Leland Kaiser was a name given to the authorities by Christina Ford as somebody who would confirm what happened on that day. A former FBI agent contacted Leland Kaiser, girlfriend of Christina Ford, and tried to get her to flip and, and to refute and, and to repudiate her sworn statement. That's how far I guarantee you this. John, if Leland Kaiser, the female friend of Christina Ford, had not given a quick affidavit that said that didn't happen, and if that FBI agent had flipped Leland Kaiser and Leland Kaiser had said, well, Christina Ford told me on that day what had happened in that bedroom with uh, Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh, if that had happened... Right now, Brett Kavanaugh would not be in the U.S. Supreme Court because Susan Collins hung her hat on the fact that the witnesses provided by the so-called victim did not confirm what she said. And they tried every way possible to find dirt on Brett Kavanaugh. And he's such a Boy Scout, they couldn't find anything. And at the end of the day, they collapsed. And I think the president last night, your president, your commander-in-chief, and my president did a fabulous job telling the country exactly how he felt about Brett Kavanaugh. We need more circumstances like that. John, thanks for your call. And once again, thank you very much for your service. Right, let's continue with more, with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American. The phone number to call tonight. Great call from John. 877. 877- 381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. And one other thing, can I put to rest the idea that this president is not normal? I hear about the norms of the presidency. Let's talk about norms of presidency. Going back to Bush 41, read my lips, no new taxes. Was that normal? How about the eight years of uh, William Jefferson Clinton sexually assaulting Kathleen Willey inside the White House, raping Juanita Broderick, having sexual relations with numerous interns, including Monica Lewinsky? Did he violate the norms of the presidency? Moving on to Bush 43, increased taxes, increased rules and regulations, greatly enlarged the role of the federal government, got us involved in a war in Iraq that cost 4,000 of our best, cost trillions of dollars. Iraq is lost, now part of Iran. Did Bush 43 get us into the norms of the presidency? Is that normal? Then you had Barack Hussein Obama, who won an MTV and talked about using cocaine and other illegal drugs while president on MTV. Is that the norm of the presidency? So please save me, liberal media, the idea that somehow this president, 45, is violating the norms of the presidency. Did John F. Kennedy violate the norms of the presidency when he passed off his young interns to other male cohorts in the White House to perform oral verbal services on them? Was that part of the norms of the presidency when LBJ lied about the Vietnam War, getting 60,000 of my generation killed, many murdered? Did Nixon violate the norms of the presidency? With Watergate and lying, did he violate? How about Jimmy Carter? His mere presidency violated the norms of the presidency. So please save me the embarrassment of trying to convince me that Trump is somehow violating the norms of the presidency, as if Obama 
and Bush and Clinton and uh, Bush and uh, LBJ and John Fitzgerald Kennedy and everyone else violated the norms of the presidency. Please save me. Let's continue now. We have Sharon in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Sharon, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Please, Sharon, go ahead. Hi. I just wanted to um, say thank you for noting that list of people that were profiles of courage. I totally agree with you. I also wanted to add Chuck Grassley to your list. Oh. I thought that he really had to hold the line on some pretty um, strong personalities who wanted to pull any direction they could to cause as much trouble as they could. And I just wanted to add him to the list. And that was it. Otherwise, um, I really enjoy your show. Sharon, thank you. Let me ask you, Sharon, let me ask you a question. Talk about the norms. You know, I'm listening to liberal media today because they think Trump last night violated the norms of the presidency by being political in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, did Kamala Harris violate the norms of the presidency? How about Cory Booker, the one with the crazy eyes, crazy eyes, Booker. Did he violate the norms of the Senate, their behavior in front of Grassley, in front of the nation? Grassley could not even make an opening statement until Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and the war hero Richard Blumenthal. Did they violate the norms of the Senate? And did the 800 people who showed up and about, I don't know how many, 200 arrests inside the Senate, did that violate the norms of the Senate, do you think, a little bit? I think they all violated the norms of the Senate. I think their behavior was extremely heinous. And I think that, you know, age has no marker for maturity. And I think it was terrible. And another point. In the third debate, I can recall Trump answering a question about whether he would accept the outcome of the 2016 election. In the third debate, Trump said, well, it depends on what happens. And he didn't give a 100 percent yes answer. Hillary Clinton And the liberal media viciously attacked Trump for saying three weeks before the election in November, I think November the 8th, 2016, that he may not not accept the election. Since the election, has Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party accepted the outcome of the 2016 election? Haven't they become what they criticized? Oh, absolutely. And worse. Worse. They're worse because they are determined. You can see the devotion and dedication to things that do not bring this country together in any way. It's terrible. It's really very, very bad. And I think it's so as far as to say it's sick. How about accepting the results of the election, whether it's the Russian collusion delusion or whether it's all the other investigations because we have a foolish attorney general named Jeff Sessions who should have resigned as soon as he resigned from the Russian collusion delusion. And as soon as he could not do his job as attorney general, he should have offered his resignation at that moment. And right now, the Senate seat would not be in Democratic hands with that Jones character out of Alabama. But what happened is. That, that uh, when Trump is criticized for not acting normally, if this is abnormal, if this economy is the result of abnormalities, I say let's have more of it. If the southern border, which is being guarded by this president, is abnormal, please give me more of it. If we have the trade deficits we used to have with Canada and Mexico and South Korea, this president has corrected the trade deficits. And the only reason the communist red Chinese are doing what they're doing is they're going after the Trump voters, the Trump base in states like Iowa, where the president's going to be tonight. And, and at some point, the Chinese need us more than we need them. At some point, they're going to recognize that they've ripped us off for $500 billion a year, and that's way too much. So if all this is abnormal, Sharon, I want more abnormal, because if this is abnormal, I could not think of something better than what we have right now. 
Well, I'm with you, and I also detest the fact that they will not acknowledge anything good. Anything good. Nothing. Everybody has good and bad. They will acknowledge nothing good that Donald Trump has done. Donald Trump never stood in front of everyone and said, you know what, I'm, I'm perfect. You know, he never did that. So he tries. He tries hard. He is a hardworking man for a hard. billionaire that doesn't have to do it. So right. I have ultimate respect for him, and they will not acknowledge anything. And that, too, is sick to me. Now, Sharon, we got to run. Thank you for your call from Pennsylvania. And as uh, Chuck Schumer would say, get out and vote. If you do not want Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to be controlling the legislative agenda for the last half of the president's first term, get out and vote. Let's continue with more. 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. My Billy Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin, and following the leadership of James Hoskinson, who shot Congressman Steve Scalise, did you see this this morning, in Minnesota, the FBI in Minneapolis is confirming it is aware of a tweet that's been sent by a teacher at an intermediate school in uh, the area of Rosemont, Minnesota, that said the following, quote, so who's going to take one for the team and kill Kavanaugh, quote, unquote. So who's going to take one for the team and kill Kavanaugh, quote, unquote. You have the left encouraging violence, encouraging confrontation. And what has to happen is the simple enforcement of the law. When you have hundreds of individuals committing criminal trespass at the United States Supreme Court on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, something should have been done. When you have individuals up in the face of Senator Ted Cruz in a tough race against a left wing extremist in Texas, someone's got to charge these individuals with criminal trespass. And because George Soros is paying all the fines, how about doubling and tripling the fines and making a lot of money and make Soros pay? I could say, wait a minute, someone's going to get shot. But they already have. And so what the left is doing right now, the left of riots and boycotts and protests and marches and confrontations in airports and elevators and restaurants and more, 
is urging that Kavanaugh be killed, according to the story in the AP Wire. A spokesman for the FBI in Minneapolis Monday night confirmed that the Bureau was aware of the tweet which read, quote, so who's going to take one for the team and kill Kavanaugh? And, of course, the addresses of these Supreme Court justices and U.S. senators have been made public by Democratic operatives working inside the federal government. Why isn't this a big story? Shouldn't the mainstream media cover this as much as they cover a lot of the crap against this president? Let's continue with your calls. Let's go to uh, let's go to Jeannie in uh, El, El Paso, Texas. And Jeannie in Texas, welcome to the Bill Cunningham Show. Please, Jeannie, go ahead. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. What a yes, pleasure. A little yes, nervous here. That's I would, okay. Uh, in uh, keeping with what you just said, you kind of answered it, but I'd like to know why um, these people who are running Republicans out of restaurants, getting in their faces, going to Mitch McConnell's house at 730 in the morning and shouting and demonstrating, why aren't they arrested for disturbing the peace? Because they're leftists and they represent the viewpoints of the political leadership in charge of the cities. Washington, D.C. is in charge of a left-wing, radical, progressive female mayor who kind of wants the protesters to do it. In Minneapolis, I guarantee you, I don't know the the politics in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I can all but guarantee you it is left-wing, extreme politics that governs that city. And whether it's Portland, Oregon, or San Francisco, or New York City. Uh, because the police department is handcuffed by the political leadership, they can't do their job. Isn't that sad? It makes me sick. And, and why isn't someone saying to Christine Ford, you lied about the second door in the front of your house. You lied about not taking an airplane. You lied about no one helping no one take a, and pass a polygraph test. You lied every part of your testimony was either a fabrication or an outright lie. Why isn't someone saying, let's investigate Christine Ford for perjury? Why not do that? One of them did. Um, uh, the senator. I, I'm practically losing my memory. I'm so nervous talking to you. Um, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. She, she needed to be investigated. Of course. Uh, it, uh, that's the way I feel. Well, every name she supplied of witnesses turned out to be false. Every factual detail that she provided turned out to be false. You know, I, I think what happened, Jeannie, in reality is that when you go to a therapist or to a doctor, you are incentivized to tell the correct story because you're seeking help for your problem. So if tomorrow, Jeannie, you go to a doctor and say, my left hand is hurting, the doctor believes what you're saying. If you go to a therapist as Christine Ford did in 2012 and 2013, well before Brett Kavanaugh percolated. And she told the therapist that there were four boys who tried to rape me when I was in my late teens in the mid-1980s. You know what? I believe that happened. I believe something fundamentally bad happened to Christine Ford, which is why she's been seeking mental health for all these years. And probably what she told the therapist, incentivized to do, do so to get help, was accurate, that four boys tried to rape her in her late teens in the mid-1980s. I believe her, but somehow in her mind she had recovered memory. Instead of four boys, it became one. Instead of her late teens, it became the age of 15. Instead of the mid-1980s, it became 1982, because Brett Kavanaugh was available in Maryland in 1982 to be around Christine Ford. 
But you see, the media doesn't pursue that angle. Do I think something happened to that woman? Yes. And I think what she told the therapist in 2012 and 2013 was accurate when she saw the therapist who rented a room in her house that caused her to put the second front door in her house so patients could come in and out of her house. She accurately told the therapist six years ago that four boys tried to rape me in the in my late teens in the mid-1980s. Then somehow in her mind, to get fame or to get money, she decided to switch it up a little bit. Instead of four boys, she said it was one. Instead of late teens, I was 15. Instead of the mid-1980s, let's make it 1982. And so somehow her mind is twisted and turned by left-wing Democratic politics at Stanford University, and she could not recognize reality, which is why she did not want to come forward, because she wasn't clear about what happened. And it took the Democrats to wrongfully leak her name, which, by the way, is a crime, Dianne Feinstein's office, it was a crime, so as to incentivize and encourage and require her to come forward. And when the Senate said, when the Senate said, we'll come to you in California, we'll make it private. Her lawyers, Deborah Katz and others, did not tell their client that offer was made because they wanted a public humiliation of Brett Kavanaugh, and that's what happened. Other people have, on the radio, have said she was a con artist because her answers were so perfect for um, her responses, drew out... um, feelings of sympathy. They were absolutely perfect um, to make you on her side and afraid to challenge her. I'm sure Deborah Katz, who's a Democratic activist in California, a lawyer, referred, by the way, by Dianne Feinstein. Can you imagine a senator referring a witness to a particular client that's a friend of yours, in which case later on you have to judge the credibility of a witness that you have given that witness a lawyer. That's another completely different issue. But this woman probably had something happen in her life involving those four boys that tried to rape her, and that's damaged her life. But it didn't damage her life so much that she didn't successfully complete high school without incident. Didn't damage her life so much she didn't get two master's degrees and a doctorate. Didn't damage her life so much she's not been a teacher for 25 years at Palo Alto University in Stanford. And not so bad, she hasn't written or co-authored 61 books in periodicals. What, was she would have done 71 books in periodicals? There's no evidence that affected her life at all. And every factual statement she made before the Senate was either false or purposely a lie. One or the other. They've all been proven not to occur. And Jeannie, you're a woman. And of course, your femininity has been hijacked by the Democratic Party. Do you want to live in a country where your son, your brother, and your father does not have due process? Absolutely not. I am a Christian, and I follow what the Bible says. I think the man should be the leader of the house. Um, Eugenia, you can't say that. You you can't say that. You can't say that. Yes, I can. I just did. No, that's terrible. (laughs) Democrat, uh, please, Jeannie, don't, don't do that. Because men and women are equal. In fact, women are my—you know, I, the best people I've known in my life are women, whether it's my wife, my sister, my mom who passed away about five years ago, my granddaughter. Those are the best people I know. 
And I'll be damned if I'm going to sit there and be told as a man that I don't care about sexual assault against women. When I think about women, I think about my wife of 49 years who's an appellate judge in the state of Ohio. I think about my sister, who's the co-chairman of the Republican Party in the state of Ohio. I think about my beautiful little granddaughter. I want to protect the women around me and make sure they have all the rights, privileges, and immunities of every citizen. But I also want to say that there are times, 10 to 20 percent of the time, when men are wrongfully charged with sexual assault. And due process ferrets out the good from the bad, the right from the wrong, and the wheat from the chaff. I want men to have due process rights because that guarantees down the road that wrongful convictions for rape and other crimes, which happens hundreds of times every year in this country, will be less likely. I want women to be protected, and I think men have rights, too. In a sense, the Me Too movement, there's nothing wrong with the Me Too movement as long as rights and due process goes along with it. And if somebody is charged, whether it's a Title IX violation or a rape or a sexual assault or a groping, I don't want my wife groped or my sister groped. That's disgusting. And if somebody gropes a woman, I want them to be held to account. But every now and then, a woman like Christina Ford either doesn't know the truth or tells a lie. And when that happens, I want the presumption of innocence to make sure it's available for innocent victims who have been charged, such as Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is one of the biggest victims in this whole thing. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I agree with you. I don't uh, think women should not be protected. They ought they to be set up on a pedestal. Absolutely. Uh, I have more respect for women than men because I've known too many men in my life, and I respect women a lot more than I than I love and, and men because I know women are the best people on God's green earth. we got to run, Jeannie. Thanks for your call from Texas. Let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, which it never does, thousands are on hold, millions are listening. The number to call is 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. In for Mark Levin. I want to take a little talk show privilege at this moment. As you may know, I'm broadcasting you live from Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, not my friend, but one of my acquaintances over the years has been Neil Armstrong, the first man that walked on the moon. And I uh, ran into him at various events, did a couple charity events with him. He was always around Cincinnati doing this and doing that. Humble, quiet, understated, never wanted to take advantage of his so-called celebrity for any personal benefit whatsoever. Neil saw himself as one of 400,000 Americans working on putting a man on the moon, which the movie's coming out on Friday called uh, uh, First Man. It's, it's coming out on Friday, and it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful movie, the Neil Armstrong story. So last night, the Armstrong family, uh, his son Mark and Ricky, invited me to go to a private showing at a local theater here in Cincinnati with the Armstrong family. Other celebrities were there, Chris Collinsworth, many other shakers and movers. And I sat with the Armstrong family. And and I told Mark this story about his dad, Neil, that kind of encapsulates how Neil Armstrong viewed himself. It was about 20 years ago, and I go to a golf tournament. It was on Monday of the uh, All-Star break, and there were various... Reds baseball players there, Bengals football players, various other celebrities. I'm kind of a minor celebrity here in Cincinnati, and uh, I was invited to be a celebrity. So I go up to the uh, check-in desk at the golf tournament, a place called Shaker Run in Butler County, Ohio, 
And there was a list of celebrities, and she asked me to uh, sign my name next to my name. And about four names above my name was the name Neil Armstrong. And at that point, I hadn't met him. First man to walk on the moon, July 20th, 1969. And so uh, I said to the, it was a couple young college co-eds sitting there. I said, uh, is Neil Armstrong checked in? And what next to his name was not a signature, but two check marks. And she said, yes. And she said, he went down that way, pointing to my right, to where there was a luncheon tent. It was a hot July afternoon. And I, and she's looked at me and said, what team does he play for? And I said, Neil Armstrong, he's an astronaut. And she's all oh, Montreal. And I said, no, no. I said, never mind. So I walked down the walk past some golf carts, into a tented area. And there were some Montgomery and ribs and Saratoga chips. And so I got a little chicken breast and some Saratoga chips. And I'm looking around, and I see the, the elite of, of, the, of the baseball and the football world in Cincinnati. And sitting by himself at a table in the back of Fort Top was an older man with his hat pulled down and on a baseball hat. So I, I kind of meander my way around to the table. And I said, uh, sir, may I sit down with you? He said, I'd love to. What's your name? Bill Cunningham. He said, yeah, I listen to you now and then. I said, well, th- thank you, Mr. Armstrong. Call me Neil. Please call me Neil. So we had small talk for 10 or 15 minutes. And we got up to leave, and I kind of walked out with some chit-chat with him about the Reds or the Bengals or something going on. And there was a photographer standing there named Bill Rankin, who later, who earlier became famous for taking the the Bruno Malley photo shoot of O.J. Simpson wearing those ugly Bruno Malley shoes at a Monday night football game in Cincinnati. And I said to Bill Rankin, photographer, Bill, could you get a picture of me and Neil Armstrong? And Neil said, why do you want my picture? I said, well, Neil, you know, you walked on the moon. You were the first man to walk on the moon. He said, ah. So I got the picture and immediately hurried off. And uh, that was it. And other people came up to get pictures taken with him, and he was uneasy, didn't want it to happen. See, Neil Armstrong was an engineer. He didn't see himself as a pilot, and the furthest thing from the truth was a hero. He taught for seven years at the University of Cincinnati in the School of Engineering. And every student that had him said he was a wonderful teacher, a great professor, very bright. But when UC, University of Cincinnati, approached him to name the School of Engineering, the Neil A. Armstrong School of Engineering, would that make sense? Would that make sense to name the School of Engineering after Cincinnati's own Neil Armstrong? The answer would be yes, but Neil said absolutely not. I don't want my name on buildings. I don't want that. And within a few months, he left UC. And what he did at that point was simply serve on boards of directors, had a farm in Warren County, which is a county north of Cincinnati. And you'd say, I'd see him out now and then at events, but nobody would ever know that that was Neil Armstrong. That was the man who walked on the moon because he never carried himself away in any way that Neil was any special than anyone else. So when the movie comes out on Friday, you're going to see the actual real depiction of Neil Armstrong and how difficult it was to go to the moon in 1969 when there was less than a 50-50 chance he would come back alive. In fact, NASA drafted a two-page statement telling the American people that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin did not make it and that they're forever lost in space because that was the probability of what was going to happen. The odds of going there and coming back and being successful and living was less than 50-50. But Neil took that risk. In fact, 11 other men took it over the next three years and would not have been back to the moon since. Let's continue with your calls. Back to the topic. That was uh, talk show host uh, privilege. 
Number to call is 877-381-3811. But see that movie. It is a fabulous movie. Movie reminded me of the Ten Commandments. Bill Cunningham, the great American. Pinch hitting for Mark Lewis. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. The only show with a warning label for liberals. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin, back at it on Monday, you know, Tonight, Martha McCallum of Fox News has interviewed Chuck Grassley, and he's been privately told by some Democratic senators they may try to impeach Kavanaugh. Of course, you can only impeach a federal officer for high crimes and misdemeanors committed while in office. So he's been in office one day this morning, had his first couple hearings, and the Democrats already want to impeach. And they don't want to impeach him. What they want to do is raise money to use in Heidi Heitkamp's race in North Dakota, for example, or Joe Donnelly in Indiana. That's what they want to do. They are threatening to impeach when they're never going to do that because it wouldn't fly. You need 51 percent of the of the House and two thirds of the Senate. It would never happen. And if God, if there's a God in heaven, the Republicans will keep the Senate four weeks from tonight. We'll know better that uh, so that the federal judges, the pipeline can continue. But imagine the absurdity of the modern Democratic Party when having had his first day on the bench and the Democrats want to impeach Brett Kavanaugh. Unbelievable. Let's continue now with Sonny in the great state of Texas, where the Cowboys can't win. Sonny, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Sonny, please go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, yes. Assuming that uh, that the Democrats uh, don't win the, um, the, the House, um, this might happen even if they do, but um, um, is it possible they could uh, go the same way they did uh, during Reconstruction and uh, go the route of Ku Klux Klan? Well, you know, Sonny, you bring up that an excellent point. You know, the the party of the Confederacy is and was the Democratic Party. They're the ones who declared civil war on my country and killed about 600,000 total soldiers. So the Democratic Party is the party of the Ku Klux Klan. It's the party of Jim Crow. Democratic Party is the party of lynchings. 
The Democratic Party is the party of the destruction of public education currently and the welfare system. It's uh, responsible for most of the criminal disasters you see, like in the city of Chicago. The Democratic Party, from Reconstruction, the Ku Klux Klan, Jim Crow, lynchings, collapse of public education. In fact, about 8% of Detroit or Chicago public school students that are African-American read at the appropriate level. And so you're talking about a massive dumbing down of the population to keep them on the modern plantation, which is the Democratic Party. So, Sonny, the berserk behavior you're seeing from Democrats has been repeated for the past 150 years. Some call them the demon rats. They're not Democrats. They're the demon rats. And what, what we see in the restaurants and the, and the airports and the elevators today is mild compared to what the Democrats did in the 1960s, burning down about 100 American cities. So I wouldn't put a lot past them because Democrats are now shooting U.S. congressmen that are Republican. So wherever I look, I see the disaster of the modern Democratic Party not covered by the mainstream media. Sonny, do you agree? Sounds like a yes. Then. All right, Sonny, we got to run. Thanks for your call. Let's continue with more. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn. Jimmy in Brooklyn, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Jimmy, go ahead. Great to hear you again. Listen, when we hear about the radical left, the far left, we see what's going on in the schools, we see the crime, we see Antifa. This is the result of liberalism. Now, let me give you some quotes from the communist training manuals. The communist right, use the system to destroy the system. The communist right, the best way to help the cause of communism is through the liberal wing of the Democratic Party. The communist right, yesterday's left is today's center. Today's left will be tomorrow's center. They're talking about the whole American political uh, system move to the left. So they have a highly organized, well-trained group within the Democrat Party. They're the strategists, the tacticians. There are a lot of our professors. There are a lot of our uh, teachers. There are a lot of our congressmen and senators. So when you see the Kavanaugh hearings, you see the Russian probe, you see the violence and riots by Atifa and all this stuff, that's part of the left movement, which is anti-American, it's Marxist, and it's also largely anti-white. And Jimmy, let me explain this to you also. In the beginning, you might recall the first few weeks of the Trump administration, it was traditional to have telephone calls with world leaders. And so the organized left inside the federal government would release transcripts of the president's private telephone calls with world leaders in order to debase him, diminish him, and to marginalize our new president. He never had a chance to get his feet on the ground to do the traditional things that presidents had done because the radical left inside the federal government worked against him from day one. Right, and that helps that helps Iran, North Korea, Russia, and China. In fact, the senator from Beijing, which is what Dianne Feinstein's known as in New York by the Chinese here, the senator from Beijing, this is foreign influence in our government. A foreign agent of Red China, uh, Congressman Dianne right. Feinstein, she's the one that started this big hoopla about uh, uh, Judge, Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh allegedly raping and all that stuff. So their influence is more than their numbers, and we are actually, I think, in very big trouble. And out of nowhere comes Trump. I, I never yeah. thought I would embrace a political right. guy as much as I, I, I love Trump. Doing in, a in, fact, job. in fact, look at it this way. The radical Democratic Party has united the Republican Party. I never thought I would ever say good things about Senator Susan Collins. 
I didn't think it was possible for me to enjoy Mitch McConnell or, or Lindsey Graham. Those three and Chuck Grassley have been fabulous. I can't believe the benefits that the Republican Party has gained because of the activities of the Democrats. And I think Trump's going to be blessed to have a Democrat run against him like Pocahontas or Cory Booker with the crazy eyes, or Kamala Harris that had illicit sexual affairs with Mayor Willie Brown. She slept her way to the top. It's going to be wonderful to have those kind of people running against Trump. If there was a Bill Clinton in his prime or a 2008 uh, Obama out there, I think Trump would be in trouble. But look at who he has to run against. This is going to be wonderful. I would encourage Michael Avenetti to keep seeking the Democratic Party nomination. That guy would do a great job as the nominee of the Democratic Party. Wouldn't you agree? He'd be wonderful. He deserves it. And we heard the term survivor. Here's two survivors. Kathleen Willey is a survivor. Judge Kavanaugh is the ultimate survivor. See, this wasn't well reported because it was Clinton. But in the Oval Office in 1994, Kathleen Willey went to him to get a job because her husband had recently died. She was a Democratic activist from Virginia. She knew Bill Clinton. She got an appointment. He took her into the Oval Office and sexually assaulted her as president in the White House. Kathleen Willey. Now, the Democratic Party knew it happened. And they did nothing about it because they couldn't care less about women, about victims of sexual assault. If they did, they would not have nominated an enabler like Hillary Clinton in 2016. They couldn't care less about women being sexually assaulted. What they care about is power and money and prestige, and that's what the Democratic Party's after. Right. They're in the environmental movement. They're in the LGBT movement. They're in the, the, the women's movement. They're in the, the, the immigration movement, the environmental movement. That's how the left gets their strength. They have strategies and tactics, and they're well-trained, and they have a lot of people helping them who don't even realize what they're doing. It's a massive, massive movement. Absolutely incredible what's going on. But the people now have a chance to wake up. It's right in your face. People can't deny it now. When you've got Democrats shooting elected officials, I mean, what more do we need to see that this country is under assault? It's the We're media. in trouble, and I'm willing to sadly bet in the next few weeks there'll be more violence perpetrated by the left against Republicans who can't take it. And, and what we have to do is normal Americans, God-fearing Americans, recognize what's at risk. I seldom tell, say this to you, Jimmy, but you've got to listen to Chuck Schumer, who says to vote. You've got to vote. You got to vote in four weeks from tonight. We're going to know the results. Jimmy, we've got to go. Thanks for your call. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. And by the, by the way, Mark Levin's daddy, Jack Levin, has a great book out available for order on, on Amazon called Our Police. It's an illustrated children's book, great for the kids and the grandkids. Our Police by Jack Levin, the daddy of Mark Levin. Let's continue with more. 44 minutes after the hour, Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Lovin. The Great One's taking a few days off. Back with you on Monday. This is Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. Now let's go to uh, Chris in Tyler, Texas. And Chris, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Chris, please go ahead. Uh, yes. First of all, uh, times have changed when a Cincinnati fan is bagging on the Cowboys for winning. <laughs> I tell you what, the Bengals are like five and one, and I, I think Dallas. What are they like two and three or something? 
Hey, you, they you look got terrible. a ways to go. Terrible. We, we got a ways to go. Yeah, they do look bad. Terrible. I mean, I, uh, I don't know why Jimmy puts up with Garrett. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. He's got more talent than that record indicates. But that's up to you know. He's made a lot more money than you and I put together. So what the heck? Well, Jones got to do something. A, Jason's a yes man, so that's why he puts up with him. Yeah, I mean, he, he's uh, he defines mediocre. Yeah, that's why Jerry likes it because Jerry likes the spotlight on him. Yeah, it is. All right, Chris, well, give me an update on the committee chairs. Okay, so uh, you were talking about what happens if the Democrats win, and, and one thing that I've heard and I wanted to point out is we can't let them have the House, even oh. just the House. Jeez. Be- because uh, the committee heads have subpoena powers, and they'll just continue these investigations on and on and on with these broad subpoena powers that they have. How about that fat slob Jerry Nadler taking over the House Judiciary Committee? Can you imagine that? It'd be terrible. I, I mean, mean it, imagine him. Hey, what I mean, what legislation would pass? Well, what activities on our behalf would ever occur if Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters are in charge of the House of Representatives? What positive things would ever go on? Nothing that I could think of. Zero. And, even if we got uh, Mueller out of the picture, oh geez, they would they would just keep subpoenaing and keep investigating, investigating, and it would be nonstop investigations if they win the house. So we, ever, I want to encourage everybody to donate all you can, do what you can, volunteer, volunteer all you can. If you can't donate, then get out there and knock doors. If you see a sign for you know the the other side, the Democrat, be as nice as you can, polite as you can, and try to engage those people. Why? Why are you? I'm just curious. Why are you voting for for this person? Because what's the reason? Yeah, because you know there's you know there's plenty of reasons not to vote for them and just be as nice as you can about it, but engage them and try to get them to talk. Because a lot of people, you know, they they're bandwagon fans or whatever. They don't really know what they're voting for. They're just you know want to be part of the crowd. So try to engage. Well, talk them. to me about Beto O'Rourke. Is that even is that close? Could Ted Cruz actually lose a Texas Senate seat to a clown like Beto O'Rourke? Is that possible? Uh, it is possible. I don't think it's going to happen though because um, you know Beto's got this Kennedy esque vibe about him. You know mm. he's young and mm. you know he's. I, you know, some people, I guess, find him physically attractive, mm. uh, different strokes for different folks, whatever. But um, there's been a lot because Texas economy is so strong. We've had so many people moving in from out of Texas. And, you know, there there's obviously some liberal natives here, you know, in the Austin area and some other Houston, Dallas. Uh, but most of most of Texas is, you know, pretty normal, solidly conservative, normal. They're normal. Yeah. yeah. But uh you know, we've got people moving in who are changing the demographics. And so uh, it's important for everyone to get every vote here in Texas. We cannot let Cruz lose. We've no. we've got to have him win. See, what's happened to Florida is too many New Yorkers have moved to Florida. And they're taking their virus and their cancerous ideas with them from New York, from the Empire State to the Sunshine State. They're taking too many New Yorkers are moving to New Jerseyites who can't stand the place anymore and moving to Florida. So Florida, I think, is kind of like a purple state at this point. It's going to be hard for the for the governor to win the U.S. Senate seat. But, you know, Scott's a pre, is a pretty good governor. But nonetheless, you bring up a good point that the goal of if they flip Texas or Florida, 
then the country's done. If we lose those 29 to 35 electoral votes, either one, it's over with. Uh, and, and Trump can't get reelected. Heck, a Republican can't get elected. If, uh, if Florida and New York uh, begin to be as one, and if Texas looks the same electorally as New York, then we're done. Because Texas and Florida would tip this thing permanently. Well, I'll leave you with some good news, though. Please. Uh, I, I was not a, a Trump fan, okay? I was uh, pretty hardcore in for Ted Cruz for president. And I have to admit, I was dismayed by what happened. And, you know, not that I just – I wasn't a fan of Trump because I wasn't sure that he was going to be conservative, you know, and I was sure that Ted was. So, it, And look you know, at it this they, way. I, I thought when Trump got elected, he would run toward the center and kind of be a New York Republican. And I supported Ted Cruz in the beginning because I thought he was a real Bible-believing conservative from Texas who was bright and smart and knew what he was wanting to do. But Donald J. Trump has done governance what Ted Cruz would have done. And you have the star factor. He's going to be in Cincinnati on Friday. I'm going to be with him a little bit on Friday. And I've been in his presence at these rallies. Trump is a rock star. It's like Elvis. It's the Beatles. It's Michael Jackson. And Ted Cruz, Lindsay, whoever you want to say, doesn't have the rock star status of 45. Trump is a rock star. And there's the animal magnetism that I see present. I think he's in Iowa tonight. He hopefully will be out every day between now and Election Day. And when he comes to town, that in and, and Des Moines, Iowa, they 11,000 on the inside and 10,000 on the outside. And this Friday, there's like an 8,000-seat facility he's going to speak on Friday north of Cincinnati in Warren County. It's already sold out. And there's going to be 20,000 people show up. This guy is the messiah of conservative politics. He's done exactly what Ted Cruz would have done, but Cruz doesn't have the magnetism, doesn't have the charisma, doesn't have the charm or whatever you want to call it. But Trump is a rock star. And if you have a shot, Chris, get in his presence. Go to one of his rallies and look like the Beatles circa 1965 or Michael Jackson circa 2004 or Whitney Houston circa 2003. This guy's a rock star. And when he shows up in your town, it's a wonderful thing to watch. And when you got that magic in a bottle that you catch with Trump, you got to ride that baby for all it's worth. And this guy makes Ronald Reagan look like a liberal. <laughs> well, you know, if if it would have been up to me, I still would have had Cruz in there. But my eyes were open. And here's what my eyes were open to, that God is in control, not me. And he knows what he's doing. And I think now that I've seen it happen, that my faith is behind Trump as a president, uh, not because he's the most godly man, but because I, I believe that this is the plan. Because I don't think Ted could have pulled off what, and I love Ted, but I don't think he could have pulled off things the way Donald did. No, and no, nobody. You know, God's got a plan, and so we need to take comfort in that and have confidence and faith and just do what we need to do individually to help this country right. get back to where it needs to be. Imagine if Hillary was in the White House, who would be on the Supreme Court? Would you have Gorsuch? Would you have Kavanaugh? You would have two Ginsburg lookalikes. And imagine the status of the country then. And RBG, the notorious RBG, at some point is going to meet her maker. And that's where I want Amy Coney Barrett from Notre Dame to take over. Chris, we've got to go. Thanks for your call. Let's continue with more. Mark Levin out till Monday. He'll be back with you on Monday. Some good, to, good days off for Mark Levin. And the number to call again is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, 
the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. One of the great ones off for a few days, back at it on uh, Monday. By the way, his father, Jack Levin, who's got to be a great American in his 90s, has a new book out, Our Police. Available on Amazon. It's good for kids. The pictorials, all the rest. Uh, Jack Levin, the book is Our Police. Get it? Let's continue. Let's continue now. Let's go to Steve in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. Steve, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. And Steve, please go ahead. Uh, hi, Jim. I, I've spoken to you before on WHYN 560 in Springfield before. How yeah. you doing, buddy? I tell you what, I couldn't be any better. Now give me a live update. What if the House becomes controlled by Nancy Pelosi and the fat, feckless one, Jerry Nadler? Uh, people need to take the House seriously. This is our battle of the bulge. Um, I hope Trump yeah. starts campaigning for all the House members because that's what we cannot lose the House. Jim Jordan needs to be the next speaker for us to go forward. And what happens to all the investigations of the FBI and the DOJ if the Democrats have the gavel in the House? What happens? Uh, I'll be done. just as terrified as if Hillary had won. D-U-N-N, uh, done. Huh? They're done. In other words, I'm saying if the Democrats get the gavel, think of all the revelations that have come out of the House about the misconduct. The top of the DOJ, uh, Andrew McCabe, etc., and the top of the FBI, all those individuals have been outed because of their false information given for the FISA warrants, all the stuff for the Fusion GPS. That came only because the House Republicans had the gavel. And if Jim Jordan and the other leaders, Trey Gowdy, who's retiring, if all of a sudden the Democrats control the House, they're going to shut down every investigation conducted by the Republicans and turn to the impeachment of the president. And, Steve, we can't have that. No, no, we can't. This is our battle of the bulge. This really is our battle of the bulge. This is a battle that cannot be lost. It can't. Um, our, our country depends on it. You know, register your brother, your cousin, your sister, your uncle, friends at work. Um, if you have elder relatives, uh, give give elderly people ride from a nursing home. A lot of elderly people are really angry at this Kavanaugh BS. You know, I would hope, especially, I've had more women tell me they're on the side of Brett Kavanaugh than vice versa, because women understand that if we live in a society without due process, that means their husbands, their boyfriends, their sons, their brothers, their fathers will be judged by the same standard. We got to run, Steve. Thank you for your call. Let's move on to Shane in Springfield, Missouri. And Shane, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. And Shane, please go ahead. Yes, sir. Really enjoying your show. I've Thank got you. a question for you. A while ago yes, when we were, you were talking about protesters, you were talking about tripling the fines on them so Soros would have to pay it. Yeah. How about we uh, try them for hate crime and put a little more incentive not to be paid to do it? Well, you know, when I'm looking at the stuff happening in Portland, Oregon, where Antifa members are pulling white people out of their cars and destroying their property, that is a hate crime because they're targeting individuals based upon their skin color. And the Portland, Oregon police stand by and watch mobs take over control of intersections, stopping only white people, damage their car to curse at them. And these are privileged white people doing it. You can imagine if somebody with a mega hat was 
pulling someone black out of a car somewhere, that that person should be arrested and indicted. But when white elite radical liberals in Portland, Oregon, in front of the Portland police, target intersections and stop traffic, why can't the mayor of Portland stand up and say enough is enough, stop it? It's amazing what's going on. Yeah, I agree. It's horrible. It's horrible. And, and, and Tifa's behind this. Uh, you know, I'm watching on Fox right now to my right, uh, and, and I'm watching leftist protesters take over intersections of Portland, Oregon, in the downtown section, pulling out white people, beating on their car, and using, r- using racial epithets against them. And, you that's know, Shane, why, that, that we can't have this. Hard to prove that it's a hate crime. It, it wouldn't be hard to prove they hate us. Well, it's not going to happen in Oregon, I guess. But what no. about the U.S. Department of Justice doing it? What about Jeff Sessions and the FBI and all the rest? What about that? I agree. That's where it should come from, the top. Because, you know, in Charlottesville... When that one white skinhead ran into a crowd and killed some woman, he was charged with a murder in Virginia. Then he was charged with a hate crime. Now, I don't know why it's a hate crime if a white person kills a white person. But nonetheless, I want that guy to spend the rest of his life in jail because he killed an innocent woman who was protesting. I'm with him. And when and when when white supremacists march around Charlottesville yelling about Jews, you're talking to a guy that's practiced law with Jews most of my professional life. I'm disgusted by that. Uh, running around Charlottesville at night with tiki torches, talking about the N-word and about Jews, that's bad stuff. It happens. But ten times that stuff happens on the left all the time, and it's never confronted in reality for what it is, which is hate from the left. There's much more hate from the left than from the right. There's many more hate crimes on the left than on the right. But they're never prosecuted that way, are they? No, no, they're not. Well, Shane, we got to go. Thanks for your call. Let's move on to John in California. John in California, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. John, please go ahead. Hi, I want to ask you, great legal mind, a question. Since these hooligans from Antifa over there controlling the streets in Oregon, and the mayor is ordering them to uh, the police to stand down so that people can be assaulted, their property can be destroyed, could the mayor be charged for aiding and abetting the, um, those hooligans? You know, 42 U.S.C. 1948 is a statute that deals with when state authorities act under under color of state law to violate someone's civil rights. The mayor of Portland, Oregon, is part of an unspoken conspiracy, the object of which is to violate someone's civil rights who have the right to travel. And when these individuals confronted Ted Cruz in a restaurant, in a private restaurant on private property... And then when authorities did not arrest those individuals, this happened in Washington, D.C. This was under color of state law or city ordinances. City or state officials acted in such a way so as to deny the human rights of Ted Cruz and his wife, Heidi. And so the answer is yes, if we had a functional Department of Justice under Jeff Sessions. These things would be prosecuted for what they are, which are hate crimes under color of state law. And the fact is not... Go- not. And the other thing that drives me crazy, John, is that the national media doesn't cover this, do they? It's a hate crime. Why don't they cover it? Can you imagine large numbers of radical individuals taking over intersections in a great American city like Portland, Oregon, allowing only the people of color to go through and attacking white citizens? How is it possible the mayor, Wheeler, doesn't arise and say, not in my city? And there's tape on Fox tonight 
of Portland police watching it going on and doing nothing about it because the mayor Wheeler doesn't want anything to happen. This is despicable. This is wrong. It can't happen in America. Yeah, the mayor's allowing his political agenda to go forward, or you even expect the governor to step up and say, hey, I'm going to bring in the National Guard. I'm going to take my state back. I'm going to take my city back. I'm not going to tolerate this. Maybe somebody above him needs to step in, or the federal government, but we can't have America like that. They no. can't just uh, do all this violence. Well, well I th- think the mayor of Portland believes what he's doing is politically popular. He's doing what the citizens of Portland want him to do and elected him to do it. And so how is it possible that a great American city, not in the South, but Portland, Oregon, allows Antifa to take over city streets, block intersections, lie in front of federal buildings, making it impossible for federal agents to do their job, and the mayor of Portland, a clown, a feckless fool named Wheeler, does absolutely nothing to stop it because politically it's popular to do that in Portland, Oregon. You know, John, how's that possible? How do we get ourselves in this situation? The incivility on the left is unspeakable. It's a leftist state. And it's a leftist movement. That's all I got to say. And, and thank you for your uh, great job covering in for the great one. John, thank you. And, and when I watch what happened on the Supreme Court on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even today on Brett Kavanaugh's first day on the job, large numbers of individuals in violation of federal law, committed criminal trespass on federal property. And I watched them climbing on top of on statues and scratching at the doors of the United States Supreme Court. How, how do they do this in public, commit literally thousands of crimes in public? A few are arrested. They're fined like $50 on the first violation. And then the second time, they might be a night in jail. And the guy paying it is George Soros. How is it possible this massive lawlessness is occurring without recompense, without someone saying, wait a minute, we can't have this in this country? Let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. And when we continue, we have calls from Virginia, Indianapolis, Boston, and also New York City. Bill Cunningham, the great one. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Getting James Carville, who looks like a cobra, James Carville of Clinton East of Fame, said tonight that uh, Kavanaugh is worth more alive than dead. Dead. Reference to James. Uh, reference to Brett Kavanaugh from James Carville, making a reference to death in reference to Brett Kavanaugh. That comes from a famous Democratic operative. Then we have the story out of Minnesota of, of a middle school teacher who tweeted on Sunday night, "Quote: So who's going to take one for the team and kill Kavanaugh?" Quote unquote. Who's going to take one for the team and kill Kavanaugh? That comes in. The FBI is investigating that one. So we got Carville talking about Kavanaugh worth more alive than dead. You have a teacher in Minnesota calling for the assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. You have the uh, one of the lead writers of Stephen Colbert's CBS late night show named Ariel Dumas, who posted on a Saturday night, quote, whatever happens, I'm just glad we ruined Brett Kavanaugh's life. Unquote. How can average Americans look at what the Democratic Party has done to this country, has done to Brett Kavanaugh, his wife and daughters, to smear and encourage his murder 
and it's his first day on the U.S. Supreme Court, and say that's the group to whom we want to give more power. We want Maxine Waters and Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Richard Blumenthal, the war hero from Vietnam. We want those individuals, those congressmen and senators, to have more political power because we trust their judgment. How is it possible that this is going on? Can you imagine if during the Obama administration, those on the political right issued death threats and tried to kill Democratic congressmen during a baseball game, what the news media would have done with that information or chased them out of restaurants and bars and chased them into elevators and out of airports? Well, what would the media have done with those right-wing racists who chased around Obama maniacs? It would have been awful and unremitting. But there's no media coverage of the death threats against Brett Kavanaugh issued in writing by a teacher in Minnesota and the glee taken by one of the head writers of the Stephen Colbert show. Whatever happens, I'm just glad we ruined Brett Kavanaugh's life. And that passes for what? Political commentating? And then... Hillary Rodham Clinton, the clown, told Christine Amanpour that how in the world can we ever work with the Republicans when they don't believe in our philosophy? In other words, we will not be, we don't recognize the election. And during the campaign and the third debate, Trump was raked through hell because Trump said he may not accept the outcome of the election three weeks hence to November the 8th. But that is exactly, precisely what the Democratic Party has done to Republicans for the past uh, 20, 22 months. They have not accepted the election. They made and make it uh, delegitimate by this Russian collusion delusion by suing, lying in the streets, blocking traffic, conducting race wars against white individuals, as Antifa is doing. And most of Antifa members are white, by the way, in Portland, Oregon. Now you have national leaders and school teachers calling for the assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. What? And the media can ignore all that? The answer, of course, is yes. Let's go to Robert in Boston, Massachusetts, home of the Red Sox, and my good friend, Andrew Benatendi. Robert, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Bill Cunningham here. Robert, please go ahead. Oh, it's great to talk to the great American, Mr. Cunningham. Thank you, Robert. To follow up, follow up on your monologue, let me add a few more things that, uh, of, of Donald J. Trump's accomplishments. He got us out of the paraclimate accord. Yes. He got us out of the Iran, Iran, Iran nuclear deal after oh. Barack Hussein Obama delivered billions of dollars on pallets to them. For somebody that's clothed with the Russians, he put crushing, crushing sanctions. Uh, sanctions on them and held them at bay. There's been no rockets flying across out of North Korea in almost a year now. He's the first president out of the last four that promised to move, recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and move our, our embassy there. Yeah, the other one that, said it, but he did it. Uh, they all said it. He did it. He, 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 he railed against NAFTA, and NAFTA is gone. We got the largest tax cuts since Ronald Reagan. We, we deregulations right and left, rolling back all these ridiculous regulations that Obama put in place. Unemployment at an all-time low for blacks, Hispanics, and women. 
Well, you might throw in the trade agreement with South Korea, the trade agreement with Canada, and the trade agreement with Mexico, which is going to mean millions of American jobs right here. And down the road, the Chinese will buckle. They benefit $500 billion from us. We don't benefit from them. Their products flow into America. Our products can't flow into China. The Chinese would love to buy Cadillacs and Chevrolets and Fords, but they can't do it because of a 35% tariff. So at some point, China's going to say, okay, we give up. And we're going to have better trade and fairer trade. And one person's responsible for that, and that's Donald John Trump. Yes, sir. And what we've got to understand is Republicans and many independents have voted for Donald J. Trump. This is not a time to be complacent. We need to get out there in 30 days. We need to vote. And even if it's a Republican that you have to hold your nose for, you need to revote Republican. All this is going to go away. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, uh, if the Democrats control the House, I think the Republicans will keep the Senate no matter what. But if the Democrats take the House, there'll be no activities other than investigations for the next two years. Yeah. And as far as the Antifa goes, Mr. Cunningham, you explained to me why Homeland Security and the Department of Justice hasn't deemed the Antifa as a domestic oh. domestic terrorist group. Tell They've me done why. a lot more harm to America the past 10 years than the Ku Klux Klan. Antifa is a left-wing terrorist group. They've done many more sins and crimes. Remember Antifa said, what do we want dead cops and when do we want them now? You take Black Lives Matter, who urged the murder of cops, along with Antifa. They've done real damage to this country, a lot more than the KKK's done for the past 10 years. we got to run Robert Gray call. Thanks for calling from Massachusetts. Let's continue with more if a line ever becomes available, which it never does. 877-381-3811, Once again, the book by Mark Levin's daddy, Jack Levin, is Our Police, a great pictorial for children. Get it at Amazon and more. So let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, I try to be a great American every day at the home of the Mark Levin Show, hosted by Bill Cunningham tonight. Liberties, General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, one of the officers in the Mark Levin Army with you, and uh, Mark will be back uh, with you on Monday. You know, one thing I want you to keep, uh, keep the faith. This is history repeating itself. You may recall the Democratic Party circa 65, 66, 67, 68 encouraged violent protest. Cities would burn under Democratic mayors. There would be, there would be uh, hundreds killed, millions of dollars of property destroyed, all hell breaking loose. And average Americans looked at that and said, we don't want Humphrey in 68. We'll take Nixon, who promises law and order. Four years later, the chaos continued. Cities continue to burn. Administration buildings taken over in college campuses. Murder was rampant. And what happened in 1972? Nixon won 49 out of 50 states. Because average Americans live in Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Texas, Florida, couldn't look at, didn't like what they were seeing on television. And you had a candidate promising law and order and uh, working on behalf of the moral majority and the silent majority. And that current candidate is the president, Donald J. Trump. He's doing what Nixon did in 68 and 72. So when Hillary Clinton, playing the part of Hubert H. Humphrey, says the rules of civility are suspended because Republicans control the Congress. And once the Democrats take over, then the rules of civility will be imposed once again. 
It is a blatantly stupid comment. 28 per, by a margin of 28 percentage points, independent voters believe that Democrats acted like fools at the Kavanaugh committee hearings by a margin of 28 percent, a great number. See, Hillary's doing this now. She's 70, 71 years old, and she wants to appear hip and radical. But it's a canard. It's not true. It doesn't work. She used to say during the campaign, I'm with you. Now, Hillary is saying, I'm with them. The Antifa demonstrators, the Black Lives Matter protesters who demand the murder of cops. What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? The Black Lives Matter protesters that say pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon. That's what is encouragement of the Democratic Party. In the last couple of years of the Obama administration, as black radicals and white apologists all over the country scream for the murder of cops, and it happened in Dallas and Baton Rouge and all over the country. You might recall that Barack Hussein Obama into the White House took the founders and representatives, Delray McKesson and others, of Black Lives Matter, as if they had a point to make that cops are racist murderers systemically, which is not the case. Every now and then you have a Laquan McDonald situation in Chicago where a cop should not have shot that boy 16 times. Every now and then you'll have something bad happen. The one, the point one one percent out of ninety nine point nine percent when cops do what are right. But the argument is not that the occasional cop occasionally does something wrong. The argument from the Democratic Party is the cops are an occupying force. They're not worthy of being protected and loved. They're not worthy of our support, not worthy of law and order. And so when a candidate like Trump promises law and order, the silent majority will arise and stop it. The Democratic Party once again overplayed its hand with Kavanaugh. And I don't know if the fire can be maintained another 28 days. 28 days from tonight, we're going to have the results of most of the, uh, most of the elections by, uh, by midnight tonight. We're going to know 28 days from now. And I'm willing to strongly predict that the United States Senate will stay within the grasp of the Republican Party because of the behavior of Democrats Play overplayed their hand, and it's way too much. So let's continue with more. Let's go to Craig in Little Falls, Minnesota. Craig in Minnesota, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Bill Cunningham here. And Craig, please go ahead. Yeah, good to hear you on a night other than Sunday. Thank hey, you. Hey, I'm, I'm uh, concerned that if there is a red wave, which I think there's going to be, I'm concerned that these Antifa types are going to just go absolutely bonkers everywhere. Maybe start and, uh, shooting more Republicans. Well, see, that's the problem. If somebody comes up to my car with a mask on, tries to drag me out of it, I've got a Glock 43 that I'm licensed to carry in about 44 states, and I think somebody with a mask is going to meet up with that. And, and, and they're actually putting me in jeopardy, and they're putting a lot of other people in jeopardy. I don't know how to – I don't know wow. Uh, how we deal with that, but especially these places where there's Democrats in charge and they're going to encourage it just like they're doing in Portland. Well, Craig, I would imagine Portland, Oregon, I also have a concealed carry permit. I would imagine Oregon doesn't have reciprocity with hardly anybody. And you can imagine if you're in Minnesota and Ohio and Kentucky and Alabama and Texas and Florida, there aren't too many mobs pulling people out of pickup trucks because that ain't going to work. Maybe in Portland it works. And what is so despicable, the video tonight on Fox, there's a Portland police officer in uniform on a motorcycle watching these individuals shut down intersections in downtown Portland and doing nothing about it. 
crazy. That's crazy. And I don't know how the cops feel about it. I suppose they're uh, beat up and they want to keep their jobs, so they do what the boss tells them, or or maybe they're complicit with it. I don't know. Well, Ted, we no, I, you know, I think cops are the greatest people. Cop, cops to me are like soldiers, and I have great respect for police. But they're hired by the city of Portland, and Mayor Ted Wheeler is the political mayor of Portland, Oregon, and he allows this activity to happen. How about for a month, hundreds of Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters laid down on the city streets in and around the federal building to stop ICE individuals from going to work. And they, like, incarcerated federal employees in a federal building until the federal police unit showed up to escort them out. Could that ever happen anywhere on the right side of the offense if some right extremist started lay down in front of federal buildings and refused to let law enforcement in or out? The mayors of these cities who are left-wing socialist Democrats would never put up with this behavior from anybody who's a Republican. But they allow it on the left side of the fence. And why do they do that, Craig? Because it's politically popular. And Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, Oregon, knows he stays in power because of individuals like this. That that's true, and of course, the other side of that is if the right, if any of us on the right did that, you'd oh. be hearing about it in the news media. We'd well, be if, if somehow a Republican had shot a Democrat at a baseball practice a year and four months later, it still would be big news every night. But but when Hodgkinson almost killed Stephen Scalise and shot him with a rifle and tried to kill dozens of other Republicans, it was a one day story. And the media quickly dropped it because it didn't fit their narrative. Well, carry on, and uh, good to hear you on Tuesday, and I listen to you on Sundays, too. So, great Craig, show. You're a, Thank you. Craig, you're a great American. Let's take one more quick call before the break. Let's go to Lynn in Traverse City, Michigan. I've been there once or twice. It's a beautiful city. And, Lynn, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Mark, I'm sorry, Lynn, please go ahead. Yeah, as a woman, I just want to say two things. One is um, being pro-life. I am for women's rights because I'm trying to save the lives of female babies. And there's no greater gift than to give or save a life. So there's no argument there. You know, Linda, I'm pro-life too, but isn't a, a, a developing baby, isn't a developing baby a month or two from birth entitled to some property right to live? Much like, much less a day, a day after conception. To me, that's a soul. That's an expression of God's love. But can we agree the last three months of a pregnancy when a child wants to live and feels pain and the heart's beating and there's brain activity and many doctors perform surgery on developing babies in the womb, can we agree that that is a developing human child? Well, absolutely. I've done nature photography for 40 years, and you notice that almost everything starts out on a microscopic level, and for it to advance to the next stage, it has to have feelings because it's a living thing. So that's what I've observed going to 200 national, state, and provincial parks and photographing nature. The other, the other thing I would like to say is I think President Trump needs to get some sort of legislation going for laws that are very strict against the harm being done to people based on their political party or their careers because, you know, uh, the, this Republican phobia or whatever you want to call it and this hate towards law enforcement is horrible. I mean, these police officers, for example, you, whenever you see something on TV that's a, you know, a bad car accident or whatever, they're out there 
and they have those visuals and, and watching people die or suffer or whatever with them every single day. And they don't give these people the credit for what they have to tolerate on a emotional level, let alone, you know, knowing that people just automatically for no reason at all are going to have hate towards them. And I just think that President Trump needs to have some laws to protect people so you can go into a restaurant and not get harassed. And, and Lynn, look at this way. Can you imagine the president, Barack Hussein Obama, numerous times accepting into the White House groups of individuals from Black Lives Matter that urged the murder of cops. And he accepted them into the White House, complimented them. Isn't Isn't that official approval of activities of BLM that calls for the murder of cops? What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. How does the chief law enforcement officer in the country who is Barack Hussein Obama, welcomed groups in the White House that urged the murder of police. I have no idea why anybody would put themselves in the company of people that do any kind of harmful, evil things. I I just am a flyover state person, like I've called other talk radio, and we're just very grounded in the final report card, who you stand in judgment of. And so that's all goes on your history. And if you want to surround yourself with something that's going to be positive and productive and successful, you don't do it with people who cause harm. And, and no one is calling. Think of the harm caused by Antifa, by Black Lives Matter. There's four Dallas cops that were murdered during a Black Lives Matter protest, four of them. It was like the media didn't cover it like Mr. President. How do you invite to the White House the organizers of Black Lives Matter when during one of their so-called protests against cops, four cops were murdered because of the color of their uniform? Mr. President, how can you do that? The media never even asked the question. Why don't they do why don't we have something on on a special report that talks about all the people behind all of this? that are instigating and funding it. Why don't we out them? I mean, Investigate I George Soros and the group that demand anarchy. And they're, they're funding the paid protesters the last week in Washington were paid by George Soros at 15 bucks an hour to go make fools of themselves. And if they got arrested, they got a bonus. Well, you know, I'm not a superstitious person, but if you go back to the, what, the, the 14th century, didn't Nostradamus say the biggest threat was going to be an S figure, so, you know, I... Just... How, about, how about Saul Alinsky, Rules for Radicals? We're watching it, Lynn. Lynn, we got to go. Thanks for your call. I'm watching this going on, and I'm thinking I live in some alternative universe. All right, let's continue with more. After the break, we have Woody from Portland, Oregon. I want to get to Woody, because when I'm watching on Fox News tonight, what I've read, an AP wire copy about what's happening in Portland, Oregon, is disgusting, and Woody's going to give you and I a firsthand account. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. He'll be back with you on Monday night of next week. But until then, let's go to Woody. Wood Eye in Portland, Oregon, the site of this takeover of downtown Portland. And Woody, tell us factually what's going on in Portland, Oregon. Oh, and it's nothing short of anarchy. Um, We can go back to the uh, 
overtaking of the ice facility, the mayor let that go on for a month. Then when they disbanded that finally at the behest of the police chief, um, some of them moved to City Hall, and you may recall a story where a uh, protester at City Hall stabbed a civilian. Yeah, yeah, right. I encountered that individual about two days prior, and he was holding out his flag on his guide on and said, um, abolish ice. And I was just shaking my head. And he, he turned to me across the street and said, just loud enough for me to hear. It's always the white ones because I was shaking my head. Um, well, what do you, talk about the taking over of city streets. I see this video and there's cops standing by watching individuals beat up on cars, stopping city yep. streets. and pedest- Explain what's going on. That's the mayor told the police to stand down. I don't think the chief is going to stand for that very much longer. Um, it's, it's anarchy. They, they, uh, they let these protests, they call them peaceful protests, mind you. They let these protests, in this case, it is over a civilian that was shot by a police officer responding to another shooting. So they've overtaken this intersection for going on two weeks now at, uh, I believe it's fourth and pedophile, pedophile being Harvey Milk. They've decided to rename the street. And, um... They've been there for two weeks now, and it's time to let the city have its street back. It's ridiculous. Well, how is it possible that a few dozen Antifa protesters can take over an intersection in a downtown area of a city for, you're telling me, weeks, and the police do nothing about it? Basically. For the most part, they let them go. They'll, they'll draw their chalk in the road, and then they decide to group up at the end of a workday. I don't know what the... Uh, what 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 the motivation is? They just pick and choose when they want to do something. Is it covered in the news? Are people angry about it? What's going on? They'll only uh, cover the the uh, the left slant of it up here. Unfortunately, we don't really have a non biased news network. So you don't have television condemning this kind of misbehavior. They cover it as if they have a valid point. Other than our local conservative talk show radio host up here. In, in Portland, no, we don't have a voice saying otherwise. Well, it does, is Portland a concealed carry state? Can you have your own weapon? Yes. Isn't it somewhat risky to be pulling people out of cars and stopping them and beating their vehicles with sticks and baseball bats? Isn't that a bit dangerous? Oh, well, you may recall a story about two years ago where uh, one Mr. Strickland pulled his uh, firearm out for four and a half seconds to push back a group of people that were approaching them and intimidating him. He is under a various set of charges right now trying to fight all of that back because the city's come down on him rather than the people that were intimidating him. So the guy defending himself is the one arrested? Yes. This is crazy. Woody, this is crazy. Ted Wheeler, the mayor, gets a... Is he making the political calculation that this behavior is popular in Portland? We're we're on the left coast. I call myself a Wolverine. I am a uh, citizen behind enemy lines in the People's Democratic Republic of Oregon, Havana on the Willamette, Multnomah Prefecture. So you just avoid sections of Portland because of this. You can't go there. Uh, well, you can go there. You can go in and out. You just got to have your head on a swivel. I'm a courier by trade. I do as little in downtown as I can, but I can't avoid it altogether. Woody, this is why doesn't the national media cover this? 
Same reason I stated. There, it, 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 uh, how many stories are negative about Trump? Ninety-six point something. I think ninety-four point eight. Yeah, yeah, all of it. Basically, every negative. So much is going right in this country, but the media doesn't cover it because it doesn't fit the narrative. This is um. Well, Woody, we got to go. I, I love to have the national media cover the takeover of Portland, Oregon, by Antifa and BLM. I'd love that to happen. Had the honor tonight to do it, and. Uh, Mark and Levin will be back on uh, next Monday night. And uh, once again, his dad spoke his hour of police available on Amazon. It's been a pleasure doing this tonight. I'll do it again. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in tonight for the great one, Mark Levin.